Let's go to him now. Father in heaven, we thank you for today. As the sun came up over the ocean and the mountains, some people didn't rise with it. And Lord, we're here today because of your grace and your mercy. Your word says that the sun shines on the just and the unjust. And Lord, most of us here are unjust. We're just because of you. Father, you know why we're here looking at this passage, so we ask that you open our hearts as only you can. Empower the people that need to make a decision about their relationships, even now. In your name we do pray, amen. Whenever a registered nurse stands up in my office, whether it's a LVN or RN or even the CEO or the COO stands up and says, I need a nurse for something. My crazy butt raises my hand and say, can I help? I volunteer, and they look at me crazy, and they say, Chaplain Joe, you're not a nurse. It says, Chaplain on your badge. And I look back at them and say, well, I took one nursing class in college. Does that qualify? They said, no, no, no. They say, what class did you take? I said, I took healthcare ethics. They said, no, that don't qualify. It was only one credit. But I said, I got an A. In my nursing class, they said, no, no, we need a registered nurse. I said, okay. I learned about healthcare ethics academically in class, but I learned about it experientially as a patient in New Orleans. When I was sick in New Orleans last year, I made a choice after it got so bad, after the pain increased, I went to a clinic in my network. I made my own choice not to go to a doctor until the pain got too much, I chose where to go and who to go to. We call that autonomy, the right to choose. That, that's big in this country. I can choose what to do and what not to do on my own time. That's autonomy. But there's also the principle of justice, which says persons who are equal should qualify for equal treatment. Well, I have health insurance, praise God. So, so when I got to the counter, I pulled out my, my Blue Cross card and I paid the copay and the insurance company will reimburse the doctor. That's justice. That's the right thing to do. Now, making me wait in the waiting room and then go to a smaller waiting room and then talk to a medical student, fill out some paperwork at a network that I work for, that's not justice. <laughs> then the doctor comes in the small waiting room while I'm sitting on that white sheet of paper on that big sheet while I'm acting like I'm not looking in the drawers. Maybe, maybe it's just me. Asked the, he has the nerve to ask me, how am I doing? Well, I've been waiting in here for 45 minutes. He asks me questions. Asks me, am I under stress? Asks me, do I clench my teeth when I sleep? I said, well, I have a lot of stress, but I don't clench my teeth when I sleep. He says, do you do a lot of talking? I said, well, that's my job. And he, he touched my jaw. He says, does that hurt? I says, it hurts to talk right now. And he says, well, chaplain, you have TMJD. I said, that don't mean nothing to me. Break that down for me, doc. He says, that's temporal mandibular jaw disorder. Basically, my jaw was swollen or inflamed, and it hurt to talk. And he says, I will write you a note where you don't have to talk for three days. And I said, well, if I don't have to talk for three days, then I don't have to go to work. He had my good in mind. Third principle of healthcare ethics is beneficence, to seek the best for me through knowledge and effort. 
Now, you would think that that would be it. But the reason why I got an A in healthcare ethics is because of the fourth principle. That is non-malfeasance, which means to do no harm. It's the belief that if you can't help a person, at least don't hurt them or hinder them. You might not be able to help them get better or healthier, but at least you can do is don't make them sicker. I submit for your consideration this morning that it is the same way in our relationships. If you can't love the person, please don't make it harder for them to love and to be loved. They are better off on their own. We're going to see how in this message entitled, I can do bad all by myself. I can do bad all by myself. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30. Now read verses 14 to 20. And I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Genesis chapter 30, verses 14 to 20. If you don't have it, it's also on the screen. And I'll read in your hearing. Now Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Then she said to her, is it a small matter that you've taken away my husband? Would you also take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. Then Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and says, You must sleep with me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he went and slept with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because he, I have given my maid to my husband. Therefore, I will name him Issachar. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Now, how she got pregnant, never mind, never mind. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Carrie Underwood sings a song, I close my eyes and I kiss that frog. Each time finding the more boys I meet, the more I love my dog. Why can't they be more like the ones that mean everything to me, warm and loyal, open and friendly? It's not like I'm not trying, because I'll give everyone a shot once. And I kiss that frog, and I find out the more boys I meet, the more I love my dog. What do you do when you're kissing frogs, hoping that they turn out to be Denzel? Or, or Shamar Moore or, or, or Tyrese. They don't even turn out to be the one that you will settle for. You, you repeatedly kissing him, thinking that it will, be, it, will, it will become better with your kisses. You try different kisses, but all you get is poisonous lumps on your tongue. Have you ever felt like Rapunzel in, in that tower with the dragon keeping watch? Have you ever felt like Snow White stuck in a glass box waiting for Prince Charming to appear? What do you do when all you can say is, I I I'm better off alone? But I find myself stuck in a situation that I cannot get out of. If I was Leah, I would say, Jacob has his boo. The wedding is over. The rice has been thrown, but, but, but what about me? I feel like a stranger in my own home. 
You have abandoned me. There's just a vacancy because love doesn't live here anymore. My father used me and my sister abused me, and now my husband only wants to misuse me. I I know you've paid for me. I I know you you don't want me. I know that you compare me to her. I can give you what she can't. Why won't you love me for me? Maybe if I give him a place to stay. Maybe if I take his shoes when he comes home at night. Maybe if I cook a good meal for him. Maybe he will love me for who I am. And your Bible reads, during the wheat harvest, my son Reuben goes out into the fields and he finds some madrink plants. And he brings them to me, his mother Leah. And Rachel says to me, please give me some of your son's plants. You see, it's the beginning of summer. And the entire family is working in the field. Reuben, my my oldest son, he's a good boy. He's working in the field, and he finds some mandrake plants, which is a fruit, by the way, which happens to boost fertility. And it enhances your chance, so it is believed, for you to become pregnant. And Rachel petitions me for some natural herbal supplements for fertility. She wants to use something natural to fix something that is supernatural. Rachel thinks that if she eats the right thing, then that barren place inside of her will become whole. She thinks that if she eats the right thing, that that seed inside of her will become fertilized. She forgot that God doesn't need your plants. God doesn't need your herbal supplements. God doesn't need surrogates. He doesn't need stem cell procedures to give you a promised son. If he opened up your mama's womb, Rebecca, and gave her a promised son, then he can do it for you. If he opened up your grandmama's womb, Sarah, and gave her a promised son, then surely he can do it for you. Why are you in competition for me? If he did it once, he can do it again. You see, your problem, Rachel, is you think that you can fix your own problem. You don't need a baby. You don't need a man. What you need is unconditional love. <laughs> but, but so do I. Rachel and I are fighting for the affection of one man, Jacob. And the math isn't adding up. I'm the third wheel in the house, and, and I'm just trying to make it every day. I'm trying to be Miss Betty Crocker, Miss, Miss Leave It to Beaver. I'm trying to keep my head down and just do what I do. Minding my own business, acting as if everything is all right. Then the woman who got the man has the nerve to walk up to me demanding something from my son. I don't know how much of this I can handle. How many of you know that he can provide for you a safe house and put food on the table, but it does not make that place a home? I wish I could tell you that there are worse things than being homeless. Try living in a house with a man who don't want you. How many of you know that you can live in a 10 by 10 studio apartment with candles and baloney, but if love lives in your house, then it's truly a happy home. I wish I had time to tell you that one of the worst things you can live under in your house is a house full of conditional love. The idea that I have to perform in order to be rewarded kind of like Quizorama. If I don't perform, I won't be rewarded. 
I'm glad I serve a God who accepts me, whether I get 90 points or 900 points. I'm glad I serve a God who accepts me for who I am and not as I should be. But I'm caught up in this love affair. And I'm sleeping with the enemy. And, she, and I say to her, wasn't it enough that you took away my man? That you took away my husband? Will you take away my son's mandrakes too? Very well. He can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. I need those fertility treatments. I will make an exchange with you. It almost feels like a reality show that, that, I, that I don't get paid for. Medea ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> the only thing worse than loving a man who doesn't love you is loving a man who loves someone else. Scratch that, scratch that. The worst thing is loving a man who doesn't love you. The a thing worse is a man who doesn't love you but loves your sister. I think that maybe if I'm thinner or, or maybe if I exercise, maybe if I give the brother some children, maybe he will love me for me. I have to change so he can give me intimacy. I wish he would see me. I wish he would love me. I wish he would cherish me and hear me, accept me, pay attention to me. I don't want child support. I want you to be my prince. Brother, can you give me something? I've been kissing frogs, hoping that he'll turn into a prince, but to no avail. The situation is not getting any better. And if I leave, if I leave, I'll be a single mother with four kids. I'll never be able to get a man if I leave. Someone reminded me that, that my grandmother, Sarah, had a mistress named Hagar. She was the first single parent in your Bible. Uh, she was thrown away like yesterday's trash. But when Abraham threw her out, God did not forget her. When she was in the desert with her baby son, wondering how was she going to put food on the table, God told her two things. He said, I see you and I got you. The first thing that God said to the single mother was, I see you. When Hagar was a single mother with a newborn baby living in a hostile environment, she went to the desert weeping and she left with a newborn baby with no money, no job, no marketable skills, no diapers, no formula, no blankets to, to protect him from the hot days and the cold nights. She was in the desert thrown away by a jealous wife. But God came to the desert and he said, I see you. He might not take care of you. He may have thrown you out, but I see you. You find yourself in a difficult situation. But God says, I see you. And then she declared in Genesis 16, 31, that he is the God who sees because I have seen the one who sees me. And I begin to think in my mind, if he has his eye on the sparrow, then surely he watches me. God says he sees me. He sees me working hard. He sees me going to school. He sees me bouncing from babysitter from baby daddy. And my mother trying to put up with me. But instead of putting up with me, she's putting me down. 
and the baby's grandmother buying them clothes that I can't afford and judging me for it. God says, I see you. Not only does God say, I see you, but when Ishmael becomes a teenager and sent away, God says, I got you. God tells single mothers, I see you. But he tells children of single mothers that I got you. In Genesis 21, verse 16, the Bible says, when she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch my son die. And as she sat there, she began to cry. And the son begins to cry. And God hears the young boy crying. And the angel of God calls out to Hagar, don't be afraid. I have heard the young boy's crying and where he lies. Lift him up and take him by the hand, for I will make of him a great nation. God speaks a word to a single sister. A single mother who's crying out in the midnight hour, praying for her crazy and wayward son. A mother who's crying because her son is getting child support, but no visitation. A mother who is crying, wondering where is daddy. But God says, lift him up. I got you. Your absentee father may not got you, but I got you. God says, lift him up. I will make of him a great nation. Even if his father isn't around, I will be his father. I will teach him how to ride a bike. I will teach him how to drive. I, God, will teach him how to shave. I will teach him how to be a man of God. And he will treat the next one. Better than your baby daddy taught you. I know that you can't be both mother and father because you have to work and go to school and deal with the crazy family. God says, I got you. And as I begin to think about the first single mother in your Bible, I begin to think maybe I can make it. But I can't leave with four kids, so I need to stay where I am. And I find myself here. Settling for any affection and intimacy that I can get. What God is saying to at least four of you this morning. That it is better to be a single mother where it's just you and God. On your Tuesday night date nights where it's just you, the Bible, and some candles. That is better than settling and kissing frogs hoping that they will complete you. What God is saying essentially is you can do bad all by yourself. The scripture reading says who can find a virtuous woman, meaning that you shouldn't have to find a virtuous man. If you're running after a man, I suggest to you, you don't have to wait to exhale, waiting for a warm body to just be on the bitch. Brother, if you can't add to me and add to what I'm trying to do, please let me be and get this step in. But what do you do when you're married to the frog and he still doesn't change? Jacob comes in from the field and I go out to meet him looking good. And I say, brother, you, you got to sleep with me. I have hired you for your, with your son's mandrakes. So he slept with me that night. And I thought that when I got married, I thought that when he committed his life to me, Hear this, that I could change him. 
I thought that when we got married, I could control him. But since he won't love me, I'll just cope the best way I can. Your Bible says when when Jacob first met me, he judged me by how my body looked. When he met me, he thought I was a dog. He judged me based upon unrealistic expectations. Genesis 29, 17 records that I I have weak eyes, but, but my sister has a lovely figure and she's beautiful. All you see is what's wrong with me. You compare me to my sister and all you see is my defects. All you see is my flaws. Why won't you love me for who I am? Not for what's missing in your own life. You judge me by my looks, but we'll keep it rated PG this morning. You were surprised at the wedding. You judge me based upon how my body looks. Well, what about you, Jacob? I know that you have smooth skin and strong muscles, but but you ain't perfect. You have your own mommy and daddy issues. You have a past like everybody else. You're not Prince Charming. Don't get it twisted. You're not God's gift to women. And you're giving me a guilt trip, having me take these Zumba classes and spinning classes and aerobic classes so you can feel better about yourself? Child, please, I don't care what my eyes look like, what my dress size might be, or what my shoe size might be. If I have confidence in myself, then I can be a virtuous woman. I don't need no crazy brother trying to define how I look. You define me by how my body looked. But then you define me based upon what you thought my body could do for you. It's like... Men who judge women based upon external standards, external measurements, and unrealistic expectations. And check this out. It's natural for a sinful man to do that. That's why you don't need a man. You need a man of God. Uh, but, But the same thing he did to me is the same thing I do to him. I tell him, I own you tonight. We've come to the place in our world where women have become so repressed that they go to extremes for attention and satisfaction. But not only that, just like in our story, they're using their children to get attention. All right. Jessica Simpson. Dressing up her four-month-year-old baby in a bikini. Something ain't right about that. All babies are cute, but are you kidding me? Our women have become so objectified that sexy clothing is being marketed to children. And they have reality shows about it. The parents are getting thousands of dollars per episode. But, but I, I, know, I know we don't watch the tiaras. No, we don't do that. No, we, 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 we watch 3ABN. But we have commercialized sets where four-year-olds and seven-year-olds are wearing skinny jeans and stilettos, which essentially are non-functioning shoes with extremely high heels to 10- and 12-year-olds. Some women 
have become so oppressed that they feed it and encourage it. All right? It's gotten so bad where you have books. I I know we're good people here. Fifty Shades of Grey. That's that's all right. Written by a mother of two. That's all right. Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian becoming rich and famous for a sex tape. And based upon that, they have TV shows and perfumes and fashion lines. And guess who's making them rich? It's not men. It's women. She has, Kim Kardashian has 14 million Twitter followers. I bet you the majority of them are women. Now our girls want to become famous instead of becoming doctors and lawyers and scientists. People like Octomom using her children for respect and fame, not realizing that it's a trap. You can't find satisfaction in your partner, so you try to get it in your children. You can do bad all by yourself. Women have now created false, empty idols, says one doctor, and have lost their real sense of self-worth, value, and significance, and in its place, replacing it with a feeling of pseudo-power and artificial value in relationships. And you just end up unfulfilled, unsatisfied, and kissing frogs. So I act like little Kim, change my body and change my face, thinking that my value and my power is in how my body looks and what my body can do. But the devil is a liar. The Bible says a virtuous woman's price is far above rubies, which means that if you can buy her, uh, (laughs) Kanye West almost came out of my mouth. Verse 30 of of, of Proverbs 31 says, Charm is deceitful, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Because you doesn't think I'm beautiful, then I'll try to use my body to make babies. I still don't find happiness. You see, I wish I could have told that to Nicki Minaj before she met Lil Wayne. I wish I could have told Rihanna before, well... I wish I could have told Adele before they airbrushed her trying to make her look thinner. At least Neo said, girl, let me love you until you learn to love yourself. But even Neo got it twisted. If you can't learn to love yourself and think that you're good enough, no man or frog on this earth can give you what you don't have. How can I learn to love myself And you learn to respect me. Brother, I gave you four kids. I lost my figure for you. The promised son was to become, it was supposed to become through you. I gave you that seed. You didn't get that by yourself. So Jacob judged me by how my body looked and what my body could do for him. And he still thinks that I'm the problem. He gives me money when I'm in need, (laughs) but but, but I'm not a gold digger. I want intimacy. I don't want child support. Okay. 
you don't like what I'm working with, what if I give you another baby? What if I give you another child? Maybe I can get love from you if we have another child together. We'll always have a connection if we have a child. Here it is. I can't be your soulmate, so I'll settle for being your baby's mama. If I can give him a son, then maybe he can love me. My kids are like the father in Medea's big happy family. They are talented and they're gifted. But my kids are always asking me, Mommy, why don't Daddy love me? Why don't he treat me like Rachel's kids? I don't have the courage to tell them that he never loved you. He never wanted you because he never wanted me. I've come to learn that love has to be free. Having somebody's baby or going on a TV show, forcing them to marry you, doesn't always turn out happily ever after. I'm worst off with him. I can do bad by myself. Nothing has gotten better since I've met him. And you, you come to think in your mind, why, why, why do I stay in this relationship again? What's in this for me? I am better off staying at a woman's shelter than letting him take my best years from me. And if I wasn't married, I would tell these sisters today that if you have a choice, do not raise no baby's mamas. Do not raise a mama's boy. What are you talking about, preacher? If I could tell these young ladies today, I would tell them to read Dr. Kunjufu's book, Raising Black Boys, where he says we raise our daughters, but we spoil our sons. We give our daughters responsibility and chores, but our sons are watching TV with his feet propped up on the table, raising him like he's a king, but he has no work ethic. While our daughters go off to college, while our sons is still at home, with no aspirations for greatness, and since he was seven, you've been telling him he's the man of the house. The problem is you made him a man in a house with no responsibility, no work ethic, and no job. So when he gets older, he goes out dating, not looking for a virtuous woman, but he's looking for another mama to take care of him. Instead of standing on his own God-given responsibilities, I wish these girls today could learn from my story that it is better to be alone waiting on God than a brother who compares me to the next one. I can hear at least half of y'all saying and looking at me crazy, sister, it's hard to get a man. You should be grateful that you got one. Well, he looks good on the outside. But you do not live in my house. I can do bad all by myself. I don't need somebody bringing me down. I wish I could do like Evelyn Lozada and shut it down after 72 days. But, but, but the Bible says that God listens to me and I become pregnant again. And I bear him a fifth son. And then I say, God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband. So I named him Issachar. And then I conceive again. And I gave the brother a sixth son. This time, 
my husband will treat me with honor because I have borne him six sons. So I name him Zebulun. Even though I don't learn, I'm glad that God hears me. I'm glad that God answers prayers of desperate housewives. God answers my prayers, and the Bible says God listens. God knows that my Facebook status isn't married, but it's complicated. Every picture that I put on my timeline, I'm asking for attention. I know that I'm leading into emotional affairs with people at work. Too bad I don't have my own reality show. I would call it Housewives of Haran. Everyone would know my story then. But I'm so glad that God answers prayers of real people with real problems, with real human dilemmas. And God hear, he hears you asking for the right man. One that will respect you and cherish you and that will love you for you. And will love you with all of your issues. God hears my prayers. But not only does he hear my prayers. God has a destiny for me, even if I don't know it and even if I can't understand it. You see, I had six sons and one daughter, Ah, but my fourth son, his name is Judah. And Judah will become the line through which God's seed will come, and that will not only save me, but it will save my family and save the entire world. I don't understand all of my pain, but my pain is God's prescription for the world's sin. My tragedy will be God's triumph. And at the end of it all, I hear in the book of Revelation chapter 5, when the Bible says that there is a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the seals? Who is worthy to open the scrolls? But there is nobody in heaven or on earth or under the earth who is worthy. And I kept crying because there was none found who was worthy. And then one of the elders says to me, child, please don't cry. I see a lamb. I see a lion. And he comes from the tribe of Judah. He comes from the root of David. And he has triumphed. Your fourth son, he is able to open the scrolls. And then I see a lamb. I see a lamb looking as it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by 24 elders. And they sang a new song. You see, my seed is the one that will be celebrated in heaven. And he is worthy. I might not be worthy. My father might not be worthy. My husband might not be worthy. But my seed, because he was slain, and by his blood he purchased from God, people from every nation, every kindred, and every tongue. Thank God Leah had a fourth son. And hear me. I might be a desperate housewife, but when I get to heaven, God is going to unfold to me and my sister how our children I'm going to ask them, why is Issachar names written on the gates? I'm going to ask them, why is Zebulun's name written on the gates? And God is going to explain to me that while you were going through it, there was a destiny that you could not see. There was a destiny that you could not understand. But when you get there, 
Your children are headed for greatness. I suffered from battered spouse syndrome. I was abused mentally and emotionally. And I settled for any kind of attention that my husband would give me, even if I had to buy it, even if I had to force it, even if I had to take it. But, 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 but you think I got it bad. You think I, I got it bad. What about Jacob's God? He suffers in an abusive relationship too, you know. He has BGS, battered God syndrome. God says, I've been dating you. I've been flirting with you. I've been giving myself to you again and again and again. Why do you keep ignoring me? God says, please give me something. Give me anything. I'll take the last that you got. God told Adam, please love me more than you love your wife Eve. God told Cain, please love me more than you love your own righteousness. God told Noah, love me more than you love the bottle. God told Moses, love me more than you love your own comfort. God told Israel over and over and over and over again, please love me more than all of your idols. God says what your problem is. He says, what problem did you find with me? God says, we're in this abusive relationship, but I take the problem. What can I do to be better for you? How can I be a better partner for you? God says, I, I can change. God says, I can be different. I will follow you in this desert for 40 years, but when I want to leave you, I keep running back to you. I, I can't help myself. God says, I've been buying you gifts and letting you live in my house, but you keep cheating on me. And the same thing that I said when I had kids, God is saying the same exact same thing. God is saying, please see my misery. Please hear my misery. Please attach yourself to me. Please vindicate me. God says, well, what about me? I, I want a good fortune. I want to be happy. When are you going to reward me? When are you going to honor me? God says, you know what? I don't need you. I can do bad all by myself. I don't know why I stay with you. And you keep cheating on me. You keep ignoring me. You keep acting as if I don't exist. I don't know why I stay in this abusive relationship, but I would rather be miserable with you than happy by myself. Listen to me. God says I will take an abusive relationship that on-again, off-again relationship. I will do the makeup to break up to make up again, but please don't ignore me. I can't handle apathy. I can't handle the cold shoulder. I can't handle you not taking my calls. God says, please don't ignore me. I can't handle that. I can take your rebellion. I can take you cheating on me. I can take you sleeping with other gods, but please don't ignore me. God says, please pay me some attention. Here it is. God says, I don't want your body. I want your heart. And to get your heart, I'll give you my body. I want you so bad that I will become a man and let you do whatever to my body that you want. 
I'll let you beat my body. I'll let you whip my body. I know that I can do bad by myself, but I will give you my body in exchange for your heart. I will let you whip my body. I will let you tear my body. I will even let you pierce my body. Then will you give me your heart? I will let you abuse me. I will even let you put my body on a tree. And after you have beaten and killed my body, when I come back from the hospital and recovering from the wounds, I will ask you to look at my scars, look at my hands, look at my side, look at where I gave you my body. I will show you my wounds. You know why? Because I can't live without you. I know that I can be happy by myself, but I'm so addicted to you. I know you're crazy. I know you kind of screwed up. I know that you're off your rocker. But God says, I want you. I can't explain it. That's why it's called crazy love. I'm standing at the door knocking at your heart. I'm calling you. I'm stalking you. Please let me in. Please pay me some attention. All I want to do is cook for you. All I want to do is eat with you, spend some time with you. God says, please let me in. I know that I'm better off by myself. God says, I want you. I'm a codependent savior. When people ask me, why do I keep running back to you? I say, I don't, I don't know. I love them. I can't explain it. I know that I can do bad by myself, but, but I want them. I got to have them. I'll give you my body if you give me your heart. There was a couple in the hospital married for 60 plus years. Got that OG type love. 60 years. Complete each other's sentences. Heart rhythm is the same. Pulse is the same. 60 years. It's a lot of patience. The husband was standing in the room with the surgeon. The wife was recovering from surgery. The doctor standing near the window, and he says, you're, you're, never, you're not going to recover. You had a stroke. We did the best we could. We're going to do occupational therapy. We're going to try to stimulate the nerves so, so your face can move again. And she says, doctor, will I be able to do the things with my jaw and my mouth that I used to do? And the doctor says, yes, you'll be able to eat. You'll be able to talk. And she says, will I be able to kiss my husband? And the doctor said, I, I, I don't know. Not the way you used to do it. And the husband is standing in the window, and he says, I, I think she looked kind of cute. And she said, who, who, who are you looking at, brother? And he said, I'm looking at you. Don't you know I, I had a stroke, and my face is contorted now? My lips are contorted. How can you think I'm beautiful? You're saying that because the doctor's here. I said, oh, all right, we've been married for 62 years. I know you better than you know you. I know things about you that you don't know about you. And she said, uh, are you sure? Are you positive? And he said, I, I brought you to the hospital. You're going home with me. You're not going to a rehab facility. You're going home with me. I'm going to take care of you. 
But she said, what about my face? I don't look like I did when I was 18. He said, girl, you still got it. You look better today than you did 60 years ago. And she said, prove it to me. He said, Doc, can, can you turn your head? Walks over to the head of her bed. She turns her face away, and he takes her face and, and pulls it towards her. And he twists and contorts his face in his mouth and kisses her the way he kissed her on their wedding day. And he said, girl, our kiss still works. Our kiss still has the same flame that it had back then. I will change for you. You don't have to change for me. I will contort my face to show you that our kiss still works. I don't know about you, but when I begin to ask the question, what does God see in me? When he sees me, there's nothing in me that's attractive to him. And he knows me better than I know myself. And he came down from heaven to give me one simple message. That the kiss of grace still works. I know that you're insecure. I know that you're self-conscious. Most people are. But I will love you for you. I will love you better than any man or woman or frog that exists in the world. And if you didn't know, a frog can be male or female. God says, you've been kissing frogs. Let me kiss you. Let me be your Prince Charming. Let me be what they can't be. If you want God to kiss you, I just invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray a special prayer just for you. You want him to show you that the kiss of grace still works. And there's somebody here under the sound of my voice that you need to tell God today that you're tired of looking for happiness in people. I invite you to come to the front. I'm going to pray a special prayer just for you. You want to tell God, I am tired of trying to find happiness in broken people. People are human. You know, men, we exercise and, and we eat healthy, but we don't have S's on our chests. We might be strong on the outside, but we're just as broken on the inside. No matter how godly or how spiritual I might be, there's parts of me that's still a frog. But God takes all of that stuff and he says, I'm going to take your gifts and your issues to be a witness to bless the world. And your seed is going to change the world. There's one more. You find yourself like Hagar. You're a single parent. And you're wondering, how am I and my child going to make it? God says, I see you. I got you. But we need some people to say that. If you need God to speak over your life and your family, come to the front. I'll pray a special prayer of covering and protection just for you. 
You want God to protect you and your family. You're in that relationship because you can't afford to get out. God says, I see you. I will provide for you in a way that he can't. If that's you, you can come. If that's you right now, you can come. You want the courage to leave. If that's you, God says, I see you and I got you. Is there one? Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we look in your word. Lord, we see a crazy reality show. We wonder how can you come from broken families? How can you do what you do? Why do you love us? But you said, I'd rather be with you. I'd rather be miserable in it with them than apart from them in heaven. Lord, that's the love that conquers it all. That's the love that covers up our darkness. Father, I ask you right now to go to that person, that boy, that girl, that father, that mother that's trying to do it on their own. Let them know that you see them and that you got them, but do it in a tangible way. Let a church person go to them and say, I see you and I got you. Let us be the princes and princesses that people need so they won't go outside of the church kissing frogs. Father, be with us and kiss us where it hurts. Kiss us where we're ashamed. Kiss us where we're self-conscious. God, you gave us your body. You took our sins in your body and we nailed you to a tree. But because of that, we can give you our hearts. So, Father, we ask that you take our hearts and our bodies and renew our minds, change the faulty wiring in our heads so we can be the princesses and princesses that you have us to be. If that's what you want God to speak over your life, just respond by saying amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.